Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising together thank the lord anybody thankful anybody grateful amen for all the many blessings that he has showered down upon us amen thank you thank you levites amen for blessing our hearts thank you evangelist collins amen for that powerful pastoral prayer on today thank you for giving in our offering on today as well we want to continue the message we started last week talking about the days of our lives taken from psalms the 90th psalm verses 1 through 17 Really want to focus in on verses 12 through 17 for our message on today. I'm going to do a quick review, and then we're going to go from there. But let's start with verse 12 of the 90th chapter, amen, of the book of Psalms. All right, if you will stand, if you're able to stand. We do have an outline on our website if you would like to follow along as well. All right, reading from the NIV, let's read it together. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Focusing on verse 12, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. The days of our lives. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come thanking you for this day. We come thanking you for every day. Lord, we thank you for all the many blessings that you continue to shower down upon us, oh dear God. Not because we are worthy, oh dear God, but in spite of, oh dear God, because of your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we want to thank you how you brought us safely through another week, oh dear God, and how you placed your angels around our bedside, and how you kept us from all hurt, harm, and danger, and how you, oh dear God, touched us early this morning with your divine finger love, oh dear God, and when you touched us, oh dear God, we woke up and we were still clothed in our right minds. We still had the activity of our limbs and the blood was still running warm in our veins. We still had food on our table, clothes in our closet, food in our pantry, oh dear God. And Lord, we just want to say thank you, dear God. We thank you, dear God, that you gave us a mindset to come to the house of prayer so that we can fellowship and worship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Sing Zion songs and hear a word from you on today, oh dear God. We thank you, dear God. We pray now, Lord, if there's someone I miss who does not know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they will come to a saving knowledge of 
of Jesus Christ before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray that the saints will be built up and edified through your word, Lord God. But most of all, that you might be glorified in all that we say and do. And Lord, we'll be kept to give your name all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. For this we pray in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people, God, said, amen, amen, and amen. God, in three persons. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. You may be seated. Again, the days of our lives. Amen. The songwriter said, I've had some good days, and I've had some bad days, and, and I had some hills to climb. Amen. But he said, well, as I look around and I think things over, he said, all my good days outweigh my bad days. And what? I will not complain. Amen. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do have today. This is the day. Amen. That I'm still alive. This is the day I'm still clothed in my right mind. This is the day I still have the activities on my limb. This is the day that the blood is still running warm in my veins. So as long as I got breath in my body, amen, I'm going to rejoice and praise God. The title of our message is based upon the longest-running soap opera on TV started in 1965, known as the Days of Our Lives. They have this tagline that says, like sand through an hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Now, because of this COVID-19 pandemic, amen, we have come to realize just how vulnerable we are as people, amen, because we can be here today and gone tomorrow. A lot of healthy, strong people have died as a result of this pandemic. It reminds us that life is so delicate, life is so precious, life is so fragile. We can be here today and gone tomorrow, amen. On July the 28th, I pulled these stats and it says that right here in America, over 600,000 people have died from this COVID-19 pandemic. And then we see worldwide over 4 million people have died from this pandemic. And you see a further breakdown for Pima County and some other places right there before you. And thank you, Dee, for putting up that graphic. If you are able, amen, I would encourage you to please get vaccinated and follow the CDC guidelines so that you can keep living and keep giving. Listen, I understand that some people have a compromised immune system and they cannot get the shot. I understand that. But if you are able, I'm encouraging you, strongly encouraging you to get vaccinated. Amen. As soon as possible. Do it for yourself and do it for your loved ones as well. Because the way the trend is going right now, especially with this Delta variant, we could end up right back where we started. So we need to follow the science. Amen. And be obedient and do what's best. Amen. For the country. Do what's best for the world. Amen. We, learn, we need to learn how to protect, amen, our lives, and we need to learn how to cherish our lives. We need to use the days that God has given us for his glory. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, the Bible said, whatsoever you do, you should do it unto the glory of God. In other words, just don't count your days, but make every day count. Why? Because life is short, death is sheer, sin is the problem, but Christ is the cure. Therefore, we need to do all we can, while we can, as long as we can, for as many people as we can, as often as we can, because when you die, they're going to put you in a can. Come on. <laughs> Amen. That means a coffin or urn. Amen. You can't stay here. Amen. So what I'm saying is, 
if you are alive, amen, God has something for you to do. If you're not dead, amen, you're not done. The Bible said, be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Paul said, therefore, be unmovable, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. He said, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. And then in Revelation 2 and 10, it said, be thy faithful. How long? Unto death. And then I give you the crown of life. So again, if you're alive, God expects you to go into the vineyard and work. And God said, if you go into the vineyard and work, I'll pay you. Amen. i give you what's right. Don't worry about people calling your name. Don't worry about no title. Don't even worry about no compensation and benefits and all this other stuff and your name being on the program and your name being on the marquee and you singing your solo and all this kind of stuff. Listen, you are serving God and God said, I'm the one that's the boss. I'm the one. I'm the Lord of the vineyard. Amen. I'll make sure you get rewarded. I'll make sure you get paid. I'll make sure you get elevated. I'll make sure you get promoted. Amen. And we got to remember that. Amen. Paul said, whatever you're doing, words or deeds, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. And we need to keep that in mind. Anything, if you're doing, if you're doing anything today for Pastor Lewis, you need to stop doing it. Amen, somebody. If you're doing it just for rise and start, you need to stop doing it. But if you're doing it for the Lord, you need to keep on doing it. Come on, somebody. If God is pleased with your life, if God is pleased with your service, you need to keep doing it. Amen. Amen. Because we want to make our days count. The psalm was written by Moses, this particular psalm here. It is the oldest of all the psalms. It addressed the frailty and brevity of human life as a consequence of sin and as a motive for repentance and obedience. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness after rebelling at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, and that's in Numbers 14, 26 through 35. During that time, all the adults but Joshua and Caleb died until a new generation came of age. Basically, what God told Moses, I'm tired of these rebellious people. You've been leading these hard-headed people. They've been complaining since day one. They complained about the water. It gave them water. They Then they started complaining about they wanted some meat. Amen. They gave them some meat. They said they want some bread. I gave them manna. Every time they complained, I have blessed them. And every time I bless them, they turn around and mumble and they grumble and they rebel against leadership and they will not follow. God said this whole generation, all of them, millions of them, going to die in the desert. Not one of them except for Joshua and Caleb because they were obedient. They supported you. They followed leadership. They were the only two that's going to make it into the promised land. Everybody else, I'm going to kill them in the desert. They're going to die. And the desert is going to become one big graveyard. And then I'm going to raise up a new generation, and I'm going to send them into the promised land. So we see Moses looking around and seeing all this death around him. Amen. And it gave him this perspective to compose this psalm, which is really a prayer. We talked about the last time that God is our shelter. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. We said the word God here, or the word Lord here, is the word God of creation, the God of power, the God of authority, the God of majesty. And then we talked about the dwelling place. The dwelling place means our refuge, our home, our safe haven. Amen. God has been our stability. God has been our security. Amen. Down through the years. Amen. From generation to generation. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of your great-grandfather. I'm the God of your grandfather. I'm the God of your father. Amen. I'm your God. I'm the God of your children. I'm the God of your grandchildren. I'm the God of your great-children. Down through the generation, God said, I've been your God. Amen. So you need to look to me. And I don't know about you, but wherever you go, as long as you got God with you, baby, you're going to be all right. Come on, somebody. Because the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that's within me than who that's within the world. Amen. As long as I got the presence and power of God, I got the protection of God. I got the prosperity of God. I got everything I need as long as I got God with me. 
Amen. You just make sure that you got God on your side. Amen. And then we said God is eternal. God is timeless and God is timely. Amen. Songwriter said time is filled with swift transition. None on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold to his hand, God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Then trust in him who will not leave you whatsoever the years may bring. If by earthly friends forsaken, still will closely to him cling. Hold to his hand, God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. And at the same time, he's an on time God. Yes, is there anybody who can testify that he's an on-time God? If you need a witness, call Daniel in the lion's den. If you need some witnesses, call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They'll tell you that he's an on-time God. He may not come when you want it, but he will be on time. Hallelujah, somebody. He's an on-time God. He's the eternal God. He's a timely God. He can step into time, be on time, every time, because he controls time from everlasting to everlasting by our God. Uh, and not only is he eternal, we said that God is holy. Yeah. God is holy. God said, be ye holy because I am holy. Being holy has nothing to do with being in the sanctified church or being in a cogent church or being in a Pentecostal church or apostolic church. God expects Baptist people to be holy. God expects Methodist people to be holy. God expects non-denominational people to be holy. If you call yourself a child of God, God expects you to live holy. Watch this. But the problem in the men of our churches, listen to me. We have a religious self-righteous spirit. Because we think holiness means I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't associate with people who do. So you feel that you're holy because you're not sleeping around and drinking and stuff. Just like there's the defilement of the flesh, you can do fleshly sin. There's also defilement of the spirit. There are some people, they're not smoking, they're not drinking, they're not homonging, but you got a nasty spirit. You got an evil spirit. You got a conniving spirit. And you just as wicked, if not more wicked, because you got the spirit of rebellion and witchcraft working in you. You need to repent and live holy too. So don't just don't focus on people keeping rules because there's a lot of people keeping rules, but they're wicked in their hearts. And that's how they push their agenda because you're watching outside stuff, but they're corrupt on the inside and they're working at night while you're sleeping. Creeping. Sneaking. Yeah. Be ye holy, for I am holy. The sleep of mankind. Amen. And then we talked about the sinfulness of mankind. And then we talked about, amen, he said that you can have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. That's why I said you can't hide from God. See, you can hide from me, and you can pretend in front of me. You know, we can all act holy on Sunday, and when we see one another, we smell good, we look good, we know the right words to say, but God said, I see beyond all that stuff. You may be clean on the outside, you may have your makeup together, you may have your hair together, you may have your dress together, you may have your suit together, but God said, I see that dirty heart. Watch this, Deacon Masters called me yesterday, and Deacon Masters said, you know what, Pastor Lewis, we got people coming into church, we try to make sure they're wearing a mask, we try to make sure they have hand sanitizer so their hands are clean. He said, we need to have a station set up out front to make sure people's hearts are clean. 
Yeah, he said, before they come in the sanctuary, we'll, it would, wouldn't it be great to have a station out front? Come on, somebody. Before you bring your wicked self in the church, come on, somebody, and start singing and start preaching and start teaching and start ushering or whatever you're here to do. Wouldn't it be great to have a sanitized station outside, amen, so you can get your dirty heart right, so you can worship God in spirit and in truth. I got to hurry up. I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing. Okay, then the sorrow of mankind. Then the shortness of mankind. And last week I said, do the math. And I rushed through this. And I'm just going to hit this real quick and I'm going to get into my message. He said, I said, do the math. You can retire from your job, but don't retire from life. God still has some work for you to do. And I said that you probably end up in school anywhere from 20 to 25. That's called your education. Then you probably end up working for 40 years. That's called your occupation or your vocation. The difference between the occupation and the vocation, the occupation is something you do for a living. Amen. A vocation is what you do for life. Of occupation is your career, but your vocation is your calling. So you need to find out what God has called you to do. God put you on the earth to do something that can't nobody do it quite like you. That's why I said don't you ever try to be like somebody else. Don't you ever try to imitate somebody else. Don't you ever be jealous of somebody else. Come on somebody. God gave you a unique gift. God organized you. God designed you. God genetically designed you. God geographically assigned you. And you need to be your own authentic original self. Because God has something for you to do. And then after that, you probably live 10 to 20 years, amen, for retirement. I'll call that celebration. So education, occupation, or vocation, and then celebration. All right, now we're ready for our message today. All right, now here's, my, here's D. God is our hope and our helper. Listen, before when I gave you C, God is holy, that's verses 5 through 11. But here we're talking about God is our hope and our helper, verses 12 through 17. Now I got some stuff to say, so buckle up. Listen, first thing he says, teach us. He said, teach us the number our days are right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We get wisdom from our mistakes if we learn from our mistakes. Let me repeat what I just said. I said we get wisdom from our mistakes if we learn from our mistakes. If we don't learn from our mistakes, we got to repeat the class. That's why you can be in the church for many, many years, and you see people in the church been saved some 40 years, but they still calmer, and they still immature, and they still mess it. Because they have not passed the lesson. They have not passed the class. Amen. You've been around a long time, but you're not spiritually mature. So God keeps taking you through the same class, taking the same lesson until you graduate. God's just not going to pass you like they may do in school. We, listen, we also get wisdom from learning from the mistakes of others. This is called observation. If I see you doing stupid stuff and blowing up your life, that ought to be a memo to me. Come on. If I'm watching you and you're going over the cliff, come on, something a ding, 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 ding. If I keep going down this road, everybody who's gone down this road, they have fallen over the cliff. Come on, somebody. They have jacked up their minds. They have jacked up their careers. They have jacked up their marriage. They have jacked up their families. Come on. That ought to be a sign. That's a warning sign. Ding, 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 ding. See Jack run with the big red ball. Turn around. That's called observation. Watch this. Here's the other one. Here's the other one, not just observation, but mentorship. Mentorship is wisdom without the pain of making mistakes. Watch this. But mentorship requires humility on your part to submit to someone who's in a position where you're not. They're where you're trying to go. And you need to listen to them so you can get to where they are. Come on, somebody. Because you can turn decades into days if you learn how to listen to someone who's been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. 
You can't live long enough to learn all the lessons by yourself. Watch this. So mentorship requires not only humility, but mentorship also requires learning from an imperfect vessel. I said mentorship requires you learning from an imperfect vessel because a lot of people think just because you don't have your life perfect, they can't learn from you. Listen, baby, you ain't no never have no teacher or no mentor if you wait for somebody perfect to show up because I don't care who you bring down here. You can bring Mother Teresa, T.D. Chase, Billy Graham. I can tell you we all got issues. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. Not all have sin. Y'all have sin too. All right, move right along. Now watch this. But most of all, you can get wisdom from the pain of your mistakes, but from the word of God. You can get wisdom without pain, the pain of mistakes, from the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And also you can get wisdom through prayer. That's what Solomon did. Solomon said, listen, I got this great task ahead of me. I realize I'm not qualified. My daddy, David, he was, a, he was a great king, great warrior, great prophet, great administrator. You name it. David could do it. He could write poetry. He could sing. He could fight. He could dance. David could do it all. And Solomon said, I don't have that gift set. I can't do all that. But he said, God, just give me some wisdom. Give me some sanctified common sense. Teach me how to go in and come out. Teach me how to lead this great people. And the Bible said God not only gave him wisdom, God gave him his enemies as well and gave him prosperity and God gave him longevity. James said, if any man likes wisdom, let him ask the God and God will give it to him. What? Generously. So we can get it through prayer and we get it through the spirit of God. Watch this. Rather than counting our days, ask God to help you make your days count. Dr. Tony Evans said this, like a life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you wish, but you can only spend it once. Let me repeat what I just said. Life is like a coin. You can spin it any way you wish, but you can only spin it once. So spin it wisely. Watch this. How to number my days or how to make my days count, Pastor Luke. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, procrastination is the thief of time. Keep putting things off. What I call the someday-itis disease. Someday I'm going to do this. You know, someday when I finish school. And someday when I get married, and someday when we have children, and someday when they leave the house, and someday when I retire, and next thing you know, you dead. It's over. He said, to maximize your time, he said, set goals. Then he said, the second thing, break them down into small steps. And he said, the third thing, set your priorities. And then the fourth thing, he said, don't be afraid to fail. And the fifth thing, I added myself, and then just do it. So that's the first point. Teach us. Here's the second point. Satisfy us. Verses 13 and 14 said, Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servant. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Now, Fred Stanford, he said something that was funny and comical. He said, money won't make you happy, but it sure will make a good down payment. <laughs> how many can honestly say you do feel a little better when you got a little money in your pocket a little money in the bank come on somebody amen not that you trust in it but you do you do feel just a little come on somebody can anybody testify you say thank god it's friday thank god it's payday come on somebody amen anybody remember on payday you go to the grocery store you buy 200 worth of groceries you just buy everything amen and then you almost have to fast to the next payday come on. <laughs> 
We go from feast to famine. Amen. Now listen, 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 listen. Research, listen to me. Research conducted around the world shows that once basic human needs are met, affluence matters surprisingly little. Once the basic needs threshold is crossed, contentment seems to be related to factors other than money. I want you to hear me. Say it again. Research conducted, not in the United States, but all around the world, the real world shows that once basic human needs are met, in other words, you got food, clothing, and shelter. Affluence matters surprisingly little. Once the basic needs threshold is crossed, contentment seems to be related to factors other than money. And see, that's why so many people jacked up, including Christians, because you think success in life is about the money that you have and the materialistic thing you have. You think because you got a brand name on your car, a brand name on your purse, a brand name on your sweater, a brand name on your hat, a brand name on this, that, and the other, that you really successful. No. There are people got a whole lot of stuff and you're miserable every day. Listen, this is what it says. It said that once you meet that threshold, contentment seems to be related to other factors other than money. It's related to, listen to me, family. If you want to have a happy life, they said, this, this, this is based on the whole world. Whole world. It said it is based on not money, family. How you get along with your family? What kind of family life do you have? The second one said, it's based on friendships. The quality of your life. Listen. If you notice what I just said, the quality of your life is based on your relationship and not your riches. Watch this. Some people have mistaken the quantity of life for the quality of life. There's a lot of people, you got a lot of quantity, you got a lot of stuff, but you're miserable because you don't have a quality life. Because you have not worked on your relationship, you're too busy trying to get riches. But the Bible says the blessings of the Lord make it rich or enriches, but it adds no sorrow. You don't have to compromise and run around and work two or three jobs, amen, and neglect your marriage and neglect your children and neglect your church, amen, trying to get rich or trying to get some money because you can get all that stuff and still be miserable and make everybody else miserable in the process. Family, friends, community, and health. Even for the very rich, more stuff doesn't equate to more happiness. The rich young ruler thought things could make him happy. But when he walked away from Jesus, the Bible said he walked away in sorrow. The woman at the well, she thought... A man could make her happy if, like, she thought men. Come, come. Yeah, she went to the mall. <laughs> she had an assembly line. Come on, somebody. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. She had strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, blueberry. <laughs> she went to Baskin Robbins. Come on, somebody. 31 flavors. And still wasn't happy with the ice cream she had. She was so miserable, amen, the last time she got some ice cream, she didn't even buy it. I'm just going to take this one home and live with it. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that material things will not make you happy. Sex and relationships like that will not make you happy. So that's satisfied us. Let me get to my next one. Make us. Now, now this is the one we want to buckle up for now. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen trouble. Now, somebody say Process. Process. Usain Bolt trained for four years, this Jamaican runner, he trains for four years to run for nine seconds. Think about that. Training, strangely, dieting, strangely. Stop going to certain events and stuff and going to bed on time and getting up early and training day in and day out. Four years to run in a race for nine seconds. That's called process. 
That's called preparation. That's why I said proper preparation prior to preaching prevent poor performance in the poor pit. A lot of people want to be seen and do stuff, but you don't want to make no preparation. In other words, you need to sit down until you get it together. Amen. And then watch this. Let's move on. Watch this. Process. Pressure on the coal produces the diamond. And folks say, God, I want to be a diamond, but when every time God puts some pressure on you, you want to quit. Thinking it's the devil trying to get at you. No, that God trying to develop you and mature you and make you more Christ-like. And every time he turns up the heat, you start hollering. But you're saying, I want to be a diamond. He puts on the pressure. Then somebody said, I want to be valuable like a pearl. And then God sends some sand in the oster to irritate the oster. So the oster continues to spin and spin until it becomes a pearl. And every time somebody irritates you, you want to quit. You want to fight. Do we listen to the prayers that we've been praying? I want to be a mighty man of God. I want to be a mighty woman of God. I want to be anointed and appointed. God's okay. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> mm. Watch this. And then we say to God, God, I want to be just like pure gold. Y'all remember that song? Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. But when God get through with me, when God get through with me, I shall come forth. I shall come forth as pure gold. Anybody remember singing that in children's choir? <laughs> okay, God said, okay, you want to come for us at pure gold? <laughs> You're like, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And God said, yeah, yeah, I'm working on you. I'm trying to get all that dross, all those impurities out of you. Because there's some stuff you're not going to get rid of on your own. There's some stuff you can't get rid of just praying it out and reading the Bible. You've got to go through hell and high water. You've got to go through trials and hardships for God to get some stuff out of you. Because you won't volunteer to get in the furnace on your own. So God said, I have to send you in there. Just like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, he had to send them into the fire. Just like Daniel and the lion there, he had to send them in the lions there. You're not going to voluntarily go into the lions there. You're not going to voluntarily go into the fire. So God will push you in the fire. God will push you in the lions there. God will push you in some trouble. God will push you into some conflict. God will push you into some drama so that you might learn how to grow and develop. Because God is not concerned about your comfort or convenience. God said, I'm working on your character so that you might be Christ-like. Uh, and then we say, God, I want to be like a rose, a flower. I want this beautiful fragrance. You know, I want to have this personality. It's kind of like Sister Lewis when she walks into the room. She has that beautiful spirit that just lights up the room and stuff. Lord, I want to have that kind of perfume like Sister Lewis that when I walk into the room, it just shifts the environment and stuff. And God said, yeah, but are you, be, are you willing to be married to somebody like Amos to get it? <laughs> do, do you know the price that she had to pay? Come on, somebody. Listen, you can't get no perfume out of no flower without crushing the flower. So God said, you want to be perfumed? You want to smell good? Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to hurry up. All right, now, and now here's another one. Uh, you ever seen some people, they get up, and they minister, this is going to be a 90-minute service. I can tell you this now. I got a lot to say. Watch this. 
Tá bom. Vier ali, ali. Pode ser. Pode ser. You ever seen certain people pray? Somebody like D or Pike Robinson? Hattie or Ico, uh, different people? And you, and, you, and you see that anointing. And you can, when they pray, I mean, you can feel that anointing. I mean, we all been called by God, but you know what I'm saying. There are some people when they pray, it makes a difference. I mean, it shakes some stuff up. Stuff begins to shift. Stuff begins to move around when certain people pray because they got a certain level of anointing. Even in preaching, teaching, people carry a certain level of anointing. And you're saying, I want that anointing. But you got to go to get Gethsemane to get it. Gethsemane is the wine press. Do you want to go through what they had to go through to get what they got? A lot of people want what you have, but they don't want to go through what you had to go through to get what you have. You better hear me, somebody. Yeah, you don't get this kind of anointing on the elevator. You don't get this kind of anointing on the escalator. You get this kind of anointing by going up the stairs and fighting the devil every step of the way. Come on, somebody. That's how you get the anointing. That's how God squeezes the anointing out of you. He presses the anointing out of you by going through the fire, by going through the floods. Careful what you pray for. All right, I'm halfway there. Watch this. Let me illustrate this for you. Uh, when you think about Joseph's life, you think about process. Watch this. Now, God spoke prophetically to Joseph, said, I'm going to use you. His daddy gave him a coat of many colors, which meant that your ministry going to be bigger than Israel and your family. That's why I gave you a coat of many colors. Because I call you to have a diverse ministry, a big ministry, an international ministry. Now, to get you ready for this big ministry, I got to give you some big trouble. I don't think y'all heard me. So, so, so his family put him in the pit. This is called God teaching him, keep your mouth shut. You remember Joseph every time he had a dream? Guess what I had a dream about? <laughs> Got another dream. Guess what I had a dream about? Not only my brother's going to be bowing down to you. Guess what? Mom and daddy, <laughs> God told me you're going to be bowing down too. So they put him in the pit. God was teaching him to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you tell people too much stuff. Watch this. Here's, listen, here's the next one. The pit, the second one is Potiphar House. God used Potiphar House to teach him character, a build character, and teach him integrity. Because, watch this, Joseph is going to end up in a position in, in Pharaoh's palace where he's going to be surrounded with a whole lot of good-looking women. So God had to teach him right at the beginning how to deal with seductive, slimy, slick, conniving, low-down, lying snakes. And he used powerful wife to do it. Read the Bible. The Bible says that she did this day in and day out. And basically when Joseph rejected her, she said, if I can't have you, can't nobody have you. And she lied on him. Now watch this. And Potiphar knew that Joseph was a good man, but Potiphar lied them to put Joseph in prison to save faith. Because when you marry somebody, you know you when you're married to a whore or not. You think, come on, somebody, you think Potiphar didn't know his wife? This was not the first man that Potiphar's wife had hit on. Joseph was not the first one. He was not the only one, and he was not the last one. She had a seductive spirit. She was a snake in the grass, and he knew he was married to a snake. But rather than dealing with the snake, he punished Joseph. And you better watch who you deal with, because sometimes people confront you, and they need to be dealing with the snake. 
Like the bow constrictor slid in there and twist themselves around you and twisted you so tight that you can't breathe and you're looking at the wrong person. You need to look at that snake that got you. And I'm here to tell you there's some snakes in the church. You better watch out for these snakes because they slick and they're slimy and they'll slide in with their hidden agendas to try to sabotage the work of God. And that's what Potiphar's wife was trying to do. That's what his family was trying to do. Amen. Then he went to the prison. And when he got to the prison, amen, he tried to do some self-promotion. God said, no, you're not going to get promoted. You need to wait. And listen, and he helped the baker. The baker got out of prison. You know, not the baker. The baker got killed, but the cupbearer got out of prison. And the cupbearer forgot him. You know why he forgot him? God wanted him to forget him. God said, you trying to talk about, put a word in for me. God said, no, you don't need man's promotion. You don't need man's promotion. Because man will promote you today and turn around and kick you tomorrow. Come on, somebody. God said, you stay right there in the prison until I promote you. Because when I promote you, can't nobody stop the promotion. When I promote you, can't nobody demote you. When I promote you, you're going to have peace. You're going to have protection. You're going to have prosperity. Stop looking to people for your blessing. I'm your Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. If you look at at people, you're not looking high enough. And all of that was designed to keep Joseph from getting to the palace. We always watch this. Guys, I had to take you through all that stuff so that you'd be ready to leave because the devil was trying to keep him from the throne. Because when, when he finally got to the throne, you know what he told him? Snakes, brothers, rats. They thought they were going to, they like, uh-oh. Joseph gonna get us. Joseph, I ain't God. He said, No, y'all did. Y'all know what you did. God know what you did as well. I'm gonna let God deal with you. Hey, but Joseph, y'all meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he, and he said, God meant it for good so that all these lives might be saved. And I, as I read that, God said, What you going through? He said, Your pain is for a purpose. I'm talking to somebody. He said, your pain is for a purpose. And your pain is not bigger than my purpose. And your plan is not bigger than my purpose. And I'll take you through stuff so I know where I'm taking you. So when you get there, you'll be in shape. Because if you don't go through the process, you won't be able to have the promotion once you get the position. That's why you see a lot of great ministries and a lot of great marriages and stuff. They crumble when the people get to a certain level because they did not go through the process. So God is saying... Like he told Jeremiah, stay on the wheel. Go to the pilot's house and watch him and just stay on the wheel. Now, here's the last one, favor. Favor. May your deeds be shown to your servants and your splendor to their children. May the Lord, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on you. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Listen, Mike Murdoch said this, one day of favor is worth more than a thousand days of labor. I, a lot of people trying to work and connive and promote yourself. Listen, you don't have to do none of that stuff. All you need to do is know God and obey him. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of the sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate, that as he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and he shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, it shall what? Prosper. You just need to get hooked up with God. Watch this. Now, some people say, the only way you can get favor is obey God. And that is true to some degree. But how many of you know if you're a child of God, sometimes God will give you favor even when you mess up? Can anybody testify that you messed up a few times and God gave you favor? Okay, I told you I'm going to have you out by 1130, so just stick with me. Now watch this. 
Watch this. So here we are taking care of my sister Vivian, going there day and night. My brother Joe's in the hospital in Valdosta, Georgia. Z and I decided to stay in Alabama because we didn't know what was going to happen. Joe called me and said, Amos, I'm going to get out of the hospital on Saturday. He said, you and Z, y'all need to go to South Carolina. Z needs to see her family. And I said, ah, I don't know. And I talked to Z. She said, I don't know. But we ended up deciding to go to South Carolina for the 4th of July weekend. And I got the Jeep with that big Jaime engine, eight-cylinder. See <laughs> Jack run with the big red ball. Okay. And, and my navigator... And my DJ and the person in charge of the snack committee went to sleep. <laughs> so anybody ever drove on like 84 or 82, some of these little country roads and stuff, where the speed limit would be 65 and all of a sudden it's 55, then it's 45, then it's 35, then it's 25? Well, I had set my cruise control, amen, on 75. I figured I'm within 10, I'm good. Come on, somebody. Because I can see the popo ahead of me and hit my cruise control and it'll start coming down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking to my experienced expert drivers right now. But anyway, so, so I'm cruising along at 75. I see the popo, right? I said, okay, uh, I'm good. Hey, and I was, yeah, that's right. Okay, help me, help me testify. Okay. You know, and when you go down a hill, it picks up speed. Anyway. <laughs> but, okay, so, so it's so on 80, okay? So it's on 80, but I'm going down here, so I see the popo on the hill, okay? So I hit cruise control to try to turn it off so I can slow down. So this cop didn't get behind me. I said, like, boy, I made it. But what he did, he called the cop further down the road, and the cop further down the road clocked me at 73 going in a 55 miles per hour zone and pulled me over. Watch this. I said, you know, Sister Lewis went off. Oh, my God, Amos, I can't believe you were speeding. You know we don't need no ticket. We on vacation. This is the wrong. I said, Z, peace be still. Come on, I mean, come on, come on hold it. <laughs> so the popo gets out the car. He comes, I see him getting out of the car, Treon, and, and I had this Air Force hat, Air Force veteran hat. So I said, let me reach in the back seat and grab my Air Force hat. Maybe he has some compassion once he realized I'm a veteran. But I thought about the fact I'm a black man driving through Georgia and reaching in the back seat could get me killed. <laughs> I said, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to reach for anything. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, the man come, he come to the, uh, to the side of the, to the, uh, to the, to the Jeep. He says, uh, sir, you know that I, I clock you at 73 in a 55 miles per hour zone. May I see your registration and your driver's license? So Z had me the registration out of the glove department. I handed him my uh, driver's license. He looked at my driver's license. Mmm, veteran. Sheila Moshakabahaya. Listen. Watch this. He goes back to the car. And you know what, you know what Sister Lewis and I do? Father God, we just pray right now in the name. <laughs> we praying. Amen. Come on. And so he, he finally comes back to the car. He gives me my, my uh, uh, driver's license. He said, you're a veteran, right? I said, yes, I'm a veteran, 21 years in the Air Force. He said, my brother is, a, is a, in the military, too, and he's in the Air Force. And he said, we cops, we believe in taking care of our veterans. Have a nice day. Just slow down. I said, thank you, though. You, you talking about a praise break? <laughs> <laughs> 
Amen. All right. All right, so, so that, that's what happened. Favor, favor is not fair. All right, we'll, we'll close right there. But this has been a difficult week for me, and I, get, I was going to say more things, but I'll say that another time. But uh, this has been a difficult week for me, getting back, getting back into the swing of things, five meters and stuff. And as I was driving home uh, Friday, uh, Brother Pratt Robinson called me, and he was talking to me about Felicia, her surgery and all of that, and I asked him how he was doing as well. And then I told him, I said, you know, this has been a very busy week, a lot of meetings. And I still have a couple meetings to go to church council meeting tonight. And then I have the leadership meeting tomorrow. I said, pray for me, uh, Brother Pike. You know, I thought he was going to say, okay, Pastor, I'll pray for you. Go hang up. He said, we're going to pray right now. And from that point on, driving home, <laughs> and y'all know Brother Pat Robinson, you know, he can, he can call on the man. Come on, somebody. He prayed for me right then, and I felt a whole lot better as a result of that prayer. So the songwriter said, be not dismayed, whatever be time, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day, all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. And I end with this. My sister Vivian, uh, as you know, she was on life support. And I had to make that decision along with my brother Joe and the rest of the family. But I'm the primary person that she left everything in the hands of because we're like two years apart. And I had to make that decision about taking her off life support. And I made that decision on the 7th of July, and she passed on the 10th. But here's the thing. As I was trying to sleep at night, I was saying to myself, Lord, did I make the right decision to take her off life support? Because her kidneys had failed. She had another stroke. She was pretty much brain dead. She had spots. On the uh, blood clots on the brain, she had all kinds of things going on, and so I, I was wrestling with that because you you know as a pastor I always come in and I just do the service, or even when I had loved ones to pass, I just fly in and my brothers and sisters they've been taking care of all that stuff. I never had to do it, so this is the first time I had to walk through all of that. This gives me a whole new level of appreciation for members who go through those things. But anyway, as I was praying and agonizing with that. God said, it's the seventh month, and it's the seventh day. Seventh is the number of perfection. Seventh is the number of fulfillment. Seven is the number of completion. Vivian has completed her assignment. She has finished her course. She has kept the faith. And now it's time for her to be called from labor to reward. And that gave me peace. And I just want to say to you guys, I hope you do the same thing, that as you labor for the Lord, and I don't know, as the pastor of this church, I want to have a good beginning and a good ending. At our house, we got these two bookends, A and Z, stand for Amos and Z. I started well back in 1987, second Sunday in June, actually second Sunday in January, installed the second Sunday in June. And whenever I'm done as your pastor, I want to make sure I have a good ending as well. The days of our life, I want to hear him say, well done. Not good and faithful service. Let's extend the invitation quickly. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org and click the yellow donate button. 
or zealous at finance at risingstarbaptist.org or mail in your love offering at Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church, 2800 East 36th Street, Tucson, Arizona, 85713. We look forward to you tuning in again. Remember, Rising Star Baptist is a local church with a global reach.